Welcome to the First Team College Football Recruiting Show with former NFL QB Matt Sims, Irish Breakdown Recruiting Analyst Ryan Roberts, and former college long snapper Joe DeLeon. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by recruiting analyst Ryan Roberts and former NFL quarterback Matthew Sims, as well as the founder of Sims Complete QB. Good thing that we've got Matt here for the show for the entire season, especially for this first episode, because we're talking quarterbacks for the 2023 high school recruiting class. Guys, this high school class of quarterbacks that we've got for 2023 might just be one of the most talented that we've seen in a while. Kind of on par with that grouping that we had with Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence a few years ago. This group is already stacking up to be four big name players and outside of those four, some stars that are showing up behind them as well. We're going to break down four guys on today's episode. Those four being Arch Manning, Dante Moore, Nico Iamalavea, and Malachi Nelson. But guys, this class is so talented uh, with all the names that are past these four guys. Ryan, going to you first. Mm -hmm. What do you think of this group as a whole? Well, I mean, I'm just really first, first and foremost, I'm excited to break it down with Matt, obviously, as the former quarterback here. But it's just kind of evaluating all these players, Joe. I mean, like you said, it's not just this big four, right? Like there is a this is a incredibly deep quarterback class in the 2023 cycle. And we have seen, obviously, a, a big demand for that position just historically, but especially this year. Like we've seen the, some of the bigger programs really take their swings at a lot of these guys. And I, I really think that when you're talking about a – depth of a class as well as the star talents 2023 is as good as that we've seen in a few years it, it, I, you talked about the trevor lawrence justin fields year may not have the two up top like that class had but it probably has more depth there is a lot of really good quarterbacks in this year's group matt how are you what are your thoughts on this this quarterback class especially from these four guys that we watched overall uh, yeah, these are four names that obviously everyone across the country has heard multiple times, you know, now with social media being just that much more out in front, uh, you know, you get a really good feel for these guys at a younger age. And uh, the cool thing is, is I'm watching the film and kind of going over the things that they do well, which is a lot. They do a lot of really good things well for young quarterbacks is they have great fits with the schools that they're going to. And I think that's really an exciting thing for, for the teams, obviously, and also for the players. I think a lot of the players found homes that are really conducive to them being successful at the next level. And then ultimately, you know, the main goal of making it to the NFL one day. Matt, it's a great note because I think, I mean, if you ask me of the committed quarterbacks, what fit do I not really like? I really can't right. point to too many, right. man. Like all these fits yeah. make a ton of sense. And the other cool thing is that we've kind of started to see some of the premier programs in college football kind of take a rise back. Like USC, Texas, they've been down in recent years, but now it's Steve Sarkeesian's in Texas. Now that Lincoln Riley's over at USC, of course, Malachi Nelson committed to USC right now. And we have Arch Manning committed to Texas, just of this group that we're breaking down today. We right. see, we're starting to see some of those blue blood programs start to get some of these quarterbacks back. We're not just seeing the guys go to Alabama and Georgia's of the world. They're starting to kind of spread out a little bit, which I think makes this class really fun this year. Yeah, because I feel like in the past few years, it's really just been, you know, if you go to Ohio State, you know, that's like your fastest way to going to the NFL, right? Whoever plays for us, Ohio State, excuse me, you know, you're, you're going to get an opportunity 
to play at the league, no matter what, you know, just because of the depth of the talent that they have. But I think with this crew, you know, you see there's just like a great combination of coach and quarterback that I really love. And, you know, I guess really the most like unproven of the group so far would just be, you know, Oregon and Dan Lanning and, and Kenny Dillingham. They just haven't quite done it maybe to the extent as, you know, like a Steve Sarkeesian has, as a Lincoln Riley has um, in that same playing field. But nonetheless, I do think like Dante Moore in that case with Oregon fits extremely well with that offense and the scheme and what they're trying to build uh, in, in a great program over there. So one thing before we we dive into our first guy, Arch Manning, man, I know you can definitely speak on this. I, I think some people don't really understand the differences between a five-star and say a four-star or a three-star. Like what are some of the, even if it's minute, even if it's so small, like what are some of those differences between a, a five-star quarterback and then maybe a guy that's in the middle of the class uh, at the quarterback position? Yeah, that's something that's very difficult to say and, and you know, or, or to decipher, really. A lot of those things are kind of just like beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? And with Arch Manning, it's one of these things where, listen, he's 6'4", he's 215. You know, he has like the body and build of a quarterback that, you know, like is prototypical. You know, he does look like a young Peyton and Eli back there when I watch him playing for Newman High School. And, you know, at the fact that he is still only a senior in high school, you know, he's going to continue to grow into that frame. And with Arch, you know, I would say that on this list of four quarterbacks, maybe not like physically the most gifted thrower and playmaker out of the four, but you can't deny the fact that he's, you know, in an environment where quarterback is like the lifestyle. And, um, you know, coming from my background, too, as well, like me being the son of a great quarterback and the brother of another great quarterback. It's really hard, you know, not to absorb some of those lessons uh, just by being like a fly in the wall there. And, you know, also the great thing, too, for Arch, that's like super impressive that everyone will overlook is that it seems like he has a very high character. And he's done things the right way. He's represented himself and his family the right way. You know, so uh, those are other things that, you know, the intangibles that everyone always talks about that kind of give him an advantage over some others that are going into this this new territory. It, it's a great point, Joe, because, you know, on the Believe in NFL Draft Prospect podcast, we talk a lot about quarterback evaluations and how it can get so muddled at times because it's not just about the physical traits, right? It's the mental acumen, kind of right. what Matt, Matt's talking about, right? He grew up in a football household. Arch Manning also, the son of Cooper, with two uncles that are going to be both Hall of Fame quarterbacks down the road, right? Like being around that type of high-level football and that type of mental processing is made him an advanced player in that regard, right? So we're going to kind of talk about the traits that each one of these have. But to your original question, Joe, that you, you posed to Matt, what's the difference between a five-star, four-star, et cetera? Not a lot, usually. It's just what is yeah. the floor versus ceiling conversation, yeah. right? Like that's usually where it comes in. Five-stars usually have both. Four-stars maybe have the high ceiling, but maybe the floor is a little bit lower. Like that's kind of like the boomer bust thing, right? And I think that that's an interesting conversation we're going to talk about is where are the guys – even in these four that we selected today, where are they kind of in the hierarchy of these top four? Because I think that that's where you kind of decipher what the ceiling is versus what the floor is at the next level. And I think that's why I didn't really actually answer the question because I'm not a huge fan of the stars and, and all those rankings because at the end of the day, uh, you could be a great football player. And if you're in a bad environment, 
that doesn't allow you to grow as an individual, as a leader, as a football player, you're, you're not going to be successful. And we see that at the highest levels here in the NFL. You could be a great football player. You can still play poorly at a high level uh, because of the environment that's surrounding you. And, and I find that really interesting, though, that I, I feel like a lot of quarterbacks have that same approach. Like those are, that are on the outside watching recruits and evaluating them of course journalists are going to favor the you know the, the star rating or fans are going to favor the star rating because they want to be able to say hey i've got this five-star kid we've got this five-star kid in our class and it's right. exciting it's fun but uh, to your point like quarterbacks like you're not you don't really care what the star rating is it's it's like how well do you slot in how well can you fit in with the system and what's that support system around you yep. more than even it is at the nfl level that you need these these high school kids to step into a situation where they can develop and yeah. they can succeed. And, and at the end of the day, stars, really, what does it mean? It just means, hey, the more stars that you have, the more opportunities that you have, right? And that's right. that's just goes like to the guys that get drafted in the first round in the NFL compared to the seventh round of the free agent. The free agent, hey, I'm sorry, you better perform really quickly or else you're out the door. First rounder, you can struggle and teams are going to fight through those struggles with you because they believe you to be that first rounder. You know, So stars are, are power in a sense too uh, as far as uh, forgiveness and, and maybe a longer leash life too uh, at the position. And, and I think that's why we we kicked off this early conversation with the fit aspect, right, Joe? I mean, it matters where these guys are going to end up going and where they're developed properly from a coaching perspective, from an atmosphere, from an offensive schematic perspective. Like all these things really matter. And to your point, it's about kind of honing in and accentuating the strengths that each one of these quarterbacks have because, you know, for every Trevor Lawrence there is, there is a three-star Andrew Luck out of the state of New Mexico, right? Like yeah. it happens. Like talent is everywhere. And that's another fascinating thing is that usually the the, the stars come from the similar programs. You know, you're always going to see the guys coming from St. John Bosco and IMG Academy and those types of schools. And for good reason, right? They're a very successful program. So obviously they have great football players, but not every level is the same, obviously across the country. And there's going to be some guys that are the big fish in a small pond or vice versa. And so it's obviously a very important thing for college coaches to evaluate appropriately to see where the talent comes from. Cause it's not always from those big name schools. There's guys that talent does come from everywhere. So I think that's another important thing is why it's so hard to really, ex really to label some of these kids sometimes because they don't all come from the same places. They don't all come from the same backgrounds. Everyone is unique in that own way, which makes the rating system flawed and interesting at times. To evaluate. Right. It makes it fun and entertaining for guys like us to talk about it. I mean, let's just keep it real <laughs> that way. And, um, you know, the great thing is, hey, 70 percent of the NFL really is two or three stars. The majority of them are guys that were maybe overlooked, you know, and the thing we have to keep in mind, too, is that when you're being recruited at this time of your life, you're a 16, 17, 18 year old young man. And, you know, those next few years of your development are, are huge. And, and also the aspect, too, that luck is a big factor going forward as well. Staying healthy, being on the field. I mean, I went to college and you know, my coach left like five days into it. You know, I went to Tennessee with Lane Kiffin and I was there for five days and he was out, you know, and I'm like, all right, hey, good luck, Lane. Uh, see you later, man. Uh, so it's it's really interesting, you know, just how these things play out. But these are four like fantastic football players that I really enjoyed watching and prepping for. So that first guy that we're going to open up with, and he has arguably one of been the most talked about guy in the group, maybe even the most talked about quarterback high school recruit that we've had in a very long time 
particularly because of the name that is behind him. We're talking about Arch Manning, who is the committed Texas quarterback, the number one quarterback per 247 sports in the 2023 class, coming from Isidore Newman in New Orleans, Louisiana. Six foot four, 215 pounds. Guys, when I watched him and I took a look at him, it highlights some of the things that we've already discussed with him. He is around football 24-7. He gets a free pass to the uh, Manning Passing Academy every single year. He doesn't have to pay, or at least I would He is the Manning Passing Academy. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So this guy, man, you watch him play. I think we could sit here and point out the different athletic traits that the guys below him have better than Manning does, but the processing ability, the acumen, the understanding of the game, the instincts, it's very similar to what we had with Eli and Peyton. We're already starting to see shades of that for a guy who's only a senior in high school. It's really weird, Joe, watching Arch Manning because there's there, there's two sides to this coin for me right now as far as what the perception is. One is he's the greatest quarterback that ever lived, right? And then the other side is that he's incredibly overrated. There's you, there's like nobody in between. But the truth of the matter is, is there is an in-between ground here, right? He's a very talented quarterback. He is a top 25 to 30 player in this class regardless of how you kind of want to nitpick some of the traits. But I think that the things that you said – are interesting because not only is he an advanced player from a mental capacity perspective, and that's to be expected. He's also a much different player than what his uncles were, right? Like he's clearly Cooper's son because he's a really good athlete, man. He moves incredibly well. That's one of the things that popped out to me. I mean, they're running quarterback run game, quarterback power, zone read stuff. Like they're letting him move around a little bit. And the biggest thing for me is that everything is very, it looks easy to him, right? And that's what's, Interesting because we talk about the level of competition. Doesn't play the greatest competition out there in New Orleans. But what he does is clean, easy delivery, good athlete, good size. There's just not many holes in his game, right? And he's just been a guy that's been around the game. So you just expect the mental side to already be there. But I don't want us to undersell the fact that like this kid is a very talented all-around quarterback from a just skill set wise perspective. Yeah, and I think that's something like you're, you're hitting the right points there. He might not be athletically on the same level as these other guys, but he might actually be a better athlete than his uncles are. And, you know, at the age of 18, at 6'4", 215 pounds, he's going to continue. It's guaranteed really for all four of these quarterbacks that within the first two years of being in college football, they're going to put on close to 15 to 20 pounds, right, of just like muscle mass and just just growing, you know, as young men, right, as young men do. But, you know, the biggest thing that I kind of took away from it is that, yeah, he is athletic. He is tough. He runs tough. And, you know, when he's on film, he looks every bit of 6'4 and more, right? He has that presence on film, whereas some other guys like, yeah, he's 6'2, he's 6'3, but they look small or, you know, a little bit different on film. He looks big and strong in the pocket. Um, What I was really impressed with, too, is just that, you know, he's a smooth thrower and you could see that. He's really running like an offense that allows him to develop that, you know, thought process as a quarterback. Right. Mm -hmm. And and that's what we're talking about here is just him being a great quarterback. And I think he's in an offense that's allowing him to learn that process, how to make decisions quickly, how to get the football out of his hands, you know, and still playing at a level of competition to where, yeah, maybe he can be, you know, big brother and you know, lean on a few guys too. But let's get it straight though too, right? Like there's a lot of great football players in New Orleans. He's just not maybe in the 
uh, upper echelon of leagues uh, as far as depth goes that way. Yeah, exactly. I think that's really well phrased, Matt. And I, I would say for me, he is a really just the best thing that I like about his for, from a throwing perspective, because I think we both coined it the same, right? He's a very smooth, natural thrower. Absolutely. I love that he is able to change arm speeds and just kind of layer the football across the field, right? Like I see him throw with touch and anticipation and he's able to throw like, cause I think that his velocity is good. I wouldn't say that he's like a superb from an arm strength perspective, but he's able to change it so much, a different pace, kind of the, the level of throw right. that he is. Right. So whether he's hitting the intermediate to deep parts of the field, whether he's throwing to the sideline or hitting some in cuts, whatever it is, he's able to throw with pace, which I love a lot. He really, he has an advanced understanding, I think, of how to throw a touch and to take something off the football. I, I, I totally agree. I think that, you know, just the fact that he is a smooth thrower, it is in rhythm a lot. Um, it doesn't look like it takes a lot of effort for him to make the throw. Uh, he throws the ball well down the field, um, maybe not as well as some of these other guys, or at least not with power, right? Um, or like a outstanding, like, wow, like he could really let it go. Um, but I, I kind of compare him almost to – and like this isn't a knock. I'm saying this is a positive, a positive note because so many people knock it lately. Um, but like he's kind of like Tua, right? Tua Tagovailoa. He's not like the most powerful Patrick Mahomes thrower, but he throws a really good football. You know, he's in rhythm. He knows where to go with the football. And I think these are things that are like great traits for a young man to have. And you know, the great thing is too is that. You know, Sarkeesian has had great experience with a lot of talented, versatile football players through college, through the NFL. Um, and I think he's kind of hitting like a perfect spot there uh, to, to continue to develop his game going forward. And the, the other thing, too, that I don't know if you guys noticed on the film, like I think he throws it extremely well on the run. And that yeah. is Sarkeesian like. He loves that, you know, half roll setup type of throws, play action, boots and nakeds. And and I think that's something that that Arch will be able to do very well uh, in the Texas offense. Yeah. And Joe, I, I don't know if you I mean, just kind of going off of what Matt just said, what I really love about his fit in the offense as well is Sark loves levels like he loves it. So when you have a guy like this that I think can throw with different trajectories and throw to the short, the intermediate deep parts of the field, you need that type of touch. Right. And I think that he's really going to be a great fit in that offense as well. And Texas right now is going to need some help at that quarterback position because. They're already down two quarterbacks, and we see the impact that that had when they played Alabama this year. Quinn Ewers, who is a fantastic athlete, fantastic player, and we saw some signs of what could come from Quinn. Arch might be able to step in and start as a redshirt freshman as soon as Quinn is out the door, if it's either to the NFL draft, if it's to somewhere else. But there is a lot of juice behind Arch Manning heading to Texas. There was a uh, you know an uproar, if you will, over him making that decision and the excitement behind him joining that program, which is really great to see. Our second guy that we've got on our list, Dante Moore, has provided a lot of excitement for an unexpected program that he chose to join. There was possibilities of him going to Notre Dame. There were debates on if he was going to pick Michigan or not. Instead, he is going to be playing for Oregon uh, after his 2023 high school season is completed. So as I said, rank number two per two, four, seven sports uh, at Martin Luther King high school in Detroit, Michigan, six foot, two and a half, 210 pounds and going to be playing for the Oregon ducks guys. Dante Moore has been also described as possibly being better than Arch Manning. 
that if Arch wasn't in this class or if Arch's last name wasn't Manning, it would be Dante Moore as the number one quarterback in the class. So, Ryan, I, I got to ask you this because I know you kind of think this and you you share the sentiment. Yep. If you were to, to make that debate and make that alteration, why would you say that, that Dante is number one? I mean, because we talked about the mental side of the game for a second, right? And I think Dante Moore is the most advanced quarterback from a mental side that I've seen in this class, man. Like he just – there's an innate understanding of how to throw with anticipation that is just so obvious on film. I think that his arm is is good. It's plus. I think that it's in the realm of an Arch Manning. Like, I, again, I don't think he has – he definitely doesn't have the strongest arm of quarterbacks – a couple other quarterbacks that we're talking about today. But his arm is is more than good enough. Very good decision maker, man. Like, I just – he just has a good, great eyes, great feel for the game, Joe. Like, you can see him even in this offense going from first to second read. Like, this isn't just a half-field type of offense. Like, they ask a lot of Dante Moore. And I think Dante Moore is kind of in the similar vein of a C.J. Stroud in the sense that, like, he's a good athlete, but he just isn't a good athlete to extend the football and to throw as a passer. Like, he's not a runner, even though he could be. So, from the mental side, from the accuracy perspective, I think Dante Moore is excellent, man. And I don't hide my opinion here that I do think that he is the best quarterback in the 2023 class. And again, I think it comes back to the fact that I think that he's just a very mature and advanced passer with the understanding of how to throw the football and to work through progressions in the passing game. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I think one of the things that jumped out at me is just how quickly he can get the football out of his hands when he's set to throw. Um, You know, the other impressive thing about Dante Moore, which I saw a little bit more compared to Arch Manning, was his flexibility in his limber arm allows him to throw from a lot of funny positions uh, on the run and in the pocket. And, of course, that's something that obviously is a little bit more popular in today's game, uh, but it is something that does pop on his film more often than not. Um, and I do, I think you're kind of like lowballing him a little bit as far as like his arm strength. I think he can drive the ball down the field pretty well. I think mm-hmm. he's, you know, uh, through a lot of the highlights that I saw with him, a lot of powerful throws on the line, you know, 25, 30 yards down the field and looking like it's done with relative ease. You know, it's not like there's this nine yard hitch up and, you know, rip it. It's it looks relaxed. It looks simple. You know, and, and I, I think that is a credit to the fact that his arm has that natural, just like elastic whip to it. Yeah. Um You know, the cool thing, too, for him is that I think he's running an offense that is, you know, a little similar in style to the college that he's going to. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's very open. Um, It seems like, you know, the the offense is kind of focused around him and him making the right decision more often than not. And um, I think it's something that is, is very impressive that, you know, he's going to something that for him, at least, like it's not a known entity that's like, hey, we're going to be this great you know, quarterback place at Oregon, or at least not as a yet. Yeah. But he is going there and he is going to kind of, you know, at least start a new style, right? A new like, you know, uh, mojo to that area, you know? And I think it's cool that he's, he's taking maybe that risk of saying like, yeah, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to try to do this and, you know, kind of be at the forefront of Oregon taking back over, you know, this whole Pac-12. Matt, I, for me, he is the perfect modern college spread quarterback. Like he, right. like you said it from throwing from different arm angles and changing his platform and doing all that type of stuff. Very natural thrower, and he's just kind of kind of that whip out there, man. Like he can get the ball out quick, whether it's in the screen game, the RPO game. Like he is that yeah. quick decision maker, right? So I think that that's 
a tremendous fit with this offense. I mean, if they're running anything similar to what they were, I know Dillingham is the offensive coordinator, but even some elements of what Stetson Bennett's been able to do with Georgia over the last couple of years, right. like that is the perfect fit for him because he's just such a quick, accurate quarterback and a decisive decision maker at the quarterback position. Absolutely. And I think one of the plays that really stood out to me was he was uh, running to his left. And I mean, running pretty hard to his left. Uh, so like he was, he was getting up a little bit and he just threw a, a laser beam from 35 yards out to the front pylon for a touchdown. And, you know, those are plays that, that really jump out. And I think that's why there are some people out there that when they see those plays they are like, Hey, this guy has to be, you know, one of the top QBs. So, because he just makes some of those look so easy and, you know, just throwing in tight windows, throwing it aggressively. I think he does play in a league that is, uh, you know, pretty tough. There mm-hmm. does look like there's a lot of good football players on the field. And, um, you know, I was really impressed. I was really impressed with just his able to get his feet set and throw it really quickly too. And, you know, everybody says footwork, footwork, but it's just like, what do you mean by that? And I think he's able to move, set, plan his feet, and then create a lot of torque and power um, in a very quick time frame. And I think that's one of the things, too, that really jumped off the screen to me. And, and I really think there's funny. sometimes where I think there's sometimes too, Matt, where like some people, some guys will get their base would get their their feet and their base kind of disconnected from their upper body a little bit. Right. Where they're just they just just tarnished their accuracy, man. And for me, Dante Moore is always connected, even when he's throwing off platform from different arm angles. He's still able to maintain that accuracy because he's just got such quick feet and keeps his base under him at all times. Right. So, again, I think that's where you, that quick decision maker comes in because his base is just always solid to me. He's always in rhythm. And, and this is where I'm going to give you like a little Sims complete QB, you know, Love knowledge. It. So what we do, <laughs> right. And what we coach. Right. And I'll touch both of you on how to throw it better too at one point. Right. Is. It doesn't really matter if his feet are perfectly set, but what he does do is that he does, you know, manipulate his upper body to allow him to stay tall and to rotate around the throw a lot. And if you can learn to separate your lower body from your upper body, like you see Pat Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and Justin Herbert do a lot, you know, those are the things that you're just like, you see it, you're like, oh, wow, that's super easy. Wow, this guy's talented, you know, but you just don't know how difficult that is for, you know, the the common man, you know, to make those throws. And, and that's why, you know, he is an exciting football player that way, because I do think he has that ability at such a young age. Always love getting the uh, the coaching points and just Matt, just wait till we get the specialist, man. We're, we're going to get into the weeds of long snapping, and it is going to be the best episode of the uh, – Hey, the I game. long snapped in high school, man. I was the backup Did long snapper. Really? Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to do it, you know, but they uh, they put me out there anyway for the second team just in case. I, I, I also had to be a long snapper in high school, Joe, so I feel the pain for Matt on this one. <laughs> yeah. um, but just to wrap up on Dante Moore, it's, it's really funny as you were talking about, Ryan, what – uh, what Dillingham looks for in his offensive play calling and his quarterbacks, they have Bo Nix now, I feel like is the complete opposite of what they need. Uh, and they're getting Dante Moore, who actually brings that improviser style, that ability to to hit those tight windows and, and move on the run and actually do it consistently and accurately, unlike Bo, who tends to run in circles a little bit. And that's, that's a separate issue for another day because we're talking about high school guys. The number three quarterback in the 2023 class, Nico Ayamalavea, number three per 247 sports. He's from Downey, California. 
Big, big dude. Six foot five, 195, committed to Tennessee. Notoriously has that big NIL contract that was offered to him. Guys, did you guys know this? That uh, Nico is actually also a, a very high prized volleyball recruit, which is very yeah. funny to see. And that really speaks to his athleticism. The guy can move. The guy moves really well in space. And I, I've noticed a lot of the reports that have been written on him and also when you watch the tape that this is a guy that, that moves outside of the pocket and throws on the run very, very well. Springy and explosive are the two words that come to mind when I think about Nico, man. He is – we talked about Joe like – Arch, you know, having good arm strength, maybe Dante having good to plus good arm strength. Nico has the best arm of anybody on this list. Like he has an absolute cannon for an arm and everything just seems like it's, it's, I mean, whether it is springy in the pocket, springy outside of structure, throwing the football and getting it out, everything is just so explosive for Nico. And that explosiveness also leads to some volatility, in my opinion, at times, right? Like there's some times where I'm thinking that he's overstriding a little bit, Matt. And I think that his accuracy is affected in that regard. But when you're talking from just from a very pure talent perspective, arm strength, athleticism, it's hard to find someone better than Nico, man. He is a special player from a physical standpoint. Yeah, it's funny. I think you're hitting the exact same points that I kind of noticed right from the beginning was that he's just he's sudden and he's very quick twitched. Uh, of an athlete and as a thrower and you know he is another guy that like he looks six five on the field he actually looks like he's six eight you know compared to the competition <laughs> that he's playing against um but it, it is one of those things where he's six five he has a good frame he's a little slender right he's not like a super broad shoulder type of guy so mm -hmm. i don't know like how much more how much bigger he's going to get at the next level but you know nonetheless uh, he is a flexible and limber, lim, uh, excuse me, limber arm as well. Like we said with Dante Moore, and you know when I watch him play, I see a guy that is totally comfortable. You know, at the position, he's very relaxed back there. Um, and you know, one thing that I would say that, like, you know, I, I would say he needs to get a little bit better at is just like when the guy is open, throw it. And I think occasionally, you know, because he's you know, so much better of a player and an athlete than some of his competition is that he kind of gets away with, you know, skipping the first read or skipping his open guy and kind of uh, rolling out and throwing and making plays that way, that that's something that going forward, you know, he'll have to learn to just keep it simple and allow big plays to come to him. Um, but yeah, super impressed with this guy uh, can really drive the football down the field with power. And uh, I, I, I actually, you know, have to agree with you on your evaluation of him leaning forward just slightly when he goes to throw. But mm -hmm. sometimes those things happen when you're you're such a tall dude and you're not quite used to, uh, you know, staying tall. Like basically, really, what he needs to do is he needs to be a little bit more evenly distributed, like with his feet, and be almost slightly leaning like on his back foot a little bit more, like you see like Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen and those guys do it when they're really trying to drive the football down the field. Um, but yeah, I, I was super impressed with this guy. He he really jumps off the tape. And uh and he's actually a tough runner too, which I, I didn't expect to see um yep. from what you know all the reports say. I thought that he ran very, very tough for a guy that has such a big frame that way.
Joe, it's it's funny. It's I feel like sometimes guys' biggest strengths and biggest weaknesses are the same thing, right? And for for Nico, it's the same. I mean, he can make any throw on the field, and he throws with incredible power. But that is his weakness sometimes. To, to Matt's point, he doesn't take the easy thing, right? He was going to hold the football a little longer. He's going to take the second read, push the ball down the field because he can. And sometimes it's going to hurt him. Sometimes he's going to make a tremendous play. So I think there's just a little bit more of a – and I would rather have a quarterback that way that I can reel back than trying to make a guy push the ball, you know, to, to the opposite way that usually doesn't work out too well. So I'm glad that he's a little bit of a free thrower, you know, because I can kind of reel that back. Incredible tools, incredible tools. Just it's now about harnessing the risk versus reward of Nico's arm because he can make the he can put the football pretty much wherever he wants in the football field. At those are time. those are good problems to have. They really yes. are. Like, yes, it's, they it's are. A good problem to have, and it's one of those where all right, hey Nico, why are you not throwing it? Oh, that was a great play. All right, good <laughs> job. So it it'll be something that a lot of players and coaches obviously you know maybe at times get frustrated with early on in the process for him while he's learning to play at that next level. Um, but there is definitely a lot of wow factor with him and his ability. And, you know, really for all these guys, uh, I, I think they, there's still a lot more room for growth as throwers, like yes. physically. And um, maybe Nico more so than, than everybody else just because of his build, his, his long arms, right? He's going to be able to kind of sling the football around a little bit more uh, freely. Um, but I, I think with his situation, Tennessee is a great fit. When I watch Tennessee, I see an offense that that fits Nico extremely well. And I think it's got a lot of good talent, you know, there. I think they they know what they're doing offensively to create points, to create explosive plays. And I think it's really good for a quarterback to go in there and, and compete at a high level in the SEC. And it, it's exciting times for Tennessee because, listen, when I was at Tennessee, we were, you know, in the weeds trying to get stuff going. And it looks like this coaching staff has really figured it out finally after 20 years of headaches. And uh, it's it's a good time, I think, for Nico to go there and to carve his own path in the history of being in Tennessee Vol. And you Fellas, see this, this, this is of, sorry, Joe. I was just going to no, say you're this, good, is, you're good. this is by far my favorite fit. If I'm talking yeah. about from a player to a scheme to a program right now, I like what Josh Heupel is doing in Tennessee. I think that when you saw what he was able to do with with Hendon Hooker in his first year last year, I think it's similarly how I want to see Nico use. You know, Hendon is a guy that can really push the ball vertically, can use his athleticism, and I see the same thing with Nico. So I absolutely love the fit with Tennessee. I think it is a really, really solid fit for him. Yeah, as Ryan loves doing the other show too. You stole my point. I was going to say that Hayden Hooker, <laughs> Hooker has uh, looked so freaking good since he took over under Hypel. And like you're both talking about here, you take a really good athlete and then you're replacing him soon with a, an even better athlete. Nico is, as we've discussed fully here, the best athlete possibly of the bunch of the four players that we're evaluating amongst these, these quarterback prospects. You throw him into an offense that allows him to capitalize on that. And I think that this Tennessee program, for some reason, is always undervalued, is overlooked. Everyone always wants to take a look at the Texas A&Ms or the, you know, obviously Georgia and Alabama. Sitting well, it's, it's really been the facts, though, too. Like it's They've been overlooked right. because they've been underperforming. Yeah. But they are a sneaky team where Hypel is getting the team ready. And they've looked really good in the first two weeks of this season. And now you're recruiting at a level where you've got – 
a top three quarterback in the class. I think Tennessee is going to be sneaky good in a couple of years. If we're actually properly evaluating stock on these programs, I'm taking Tennessee over Texas A&M. Like, I'm excited that this is who they're going for. This I like is the that quarterback take. That they want. And it shouldn't be a hot take. I'm sure Texas A&M, fan, A&M fans are going to hate that. But yeah. this is a perfect fit, as you guys said, with, with Nico going to Tennessee. When you watched Tennessee versus Pitt the other day, you know, it was one of those games where I was like, Tennessee's going to go back and watch the film, and they're going to be like, we should have beat this team by 21 points. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how much more talented they looked on the field and just how much – more of like a little bit more of a well-oiled machine they were. And they they let Pitt kind of hang around by just, you know, typical like college mental errors and mistakes. Um, but I, I totally agree. I think Tennessee is like a dangerous team. And the thing is, too, we have to keep in mind with Tennessee is, you know, and this was something that was that was notice of, noticeable even when I was on the team. The, geographically, since it's such a long state, right, you're, you're actually recruiting – Areas like Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, you know, more often than you are that are kids in Memphis. And I think that you'll see, too, that, you know, with them getting a kid all the way from California, you know, Tennessee does have that, you know, allure to to get players like Notre Dame from all across the country. Yep. And and that's something that they're going to continue to tap into. And this is a great start with Nico being one of them coming all the way. Because, hey, there's a lot of schools from where he is in California to Tennessee. There's probably like 2,000 colleges between the two. And he went all the way across the country. So, you know, proves to them that they're they're out there. They're finding good talent. And I think that's just going to continue to go right with the attraction of bringing in a Nico. So moving on to our last guy. We've got Malachi Nelson, who is committed to play for USC, not too far down the road for me. Uh, Los Alamedos High School here in California, six foot three, one eighty-two, the leanest of the group that we've discussed so far. The one note that I've seen, and I, I'm really curious your take on this, Matt, has been described as possibly the most natural thrower of the group. Do you agree with that sentiment that that Nelson might be the more natural guy, despite maybe not being as big of an athlete or as, as uh, electric as an athlete as, as the other players we've talked about? Yeah, I mean, he definitely is a talented thrower. I mean, my first two notes that I made on was just smooth thrower, strong arm, can throw, you know, strong from his back foot like we were talking about uh, where Nico maybe needs to improve slightly, right? Um, I do think that he is a very good thrower. Um, uh, I think all of them are actually pretty natural throwers. I think that he definitely has a lot of upside. Um, I will say for him being 6'3", 182, he does look a little on the smaller side when I do watch him on film. Um, but that's like the exact size and weight that I was when I was in high school and fast forward three years later and I was 6'3", 220. So it's like it could change very quickly for him. Um, but really relaxed in the pocket. And I think, again, too, just has really good pocket awareness. I was really impressed by actually all four of these guys with their pocket awareness. And -hmm. I think that's a credit, too, to their schools and their programs where, you know, they're just letting them play and letting them drop back and just, you know, play with a little bit more free, uh, you know, freedom than than maybe some other uh, quarterbacks have to deal with in high school. Um, But he definitely has a good feel for the game. And I, I think he has tremendous upside. Uh, you know, for for him as well. 
That that was the first note I made as well. Was that I I I wrote that he was a cool customer in the pocket, man. Like yeah. Just it doesn't look like unflappable, right? Like he's right. just really calm, working against chaos, working against pressure. And I think he's the best deep ball thrower of the four guys that we're talking about, man. Like there's just a natural type of ability to take something off and to push vertically. Like it's not, he doesn't quite have the the pace from an arm strength perspective as, as Nico does, but he's more natural deep ball thrower and just kind of throws with that touch down the field, which I love a ton. I, he's got kind of a little bit of longer arms, right, Matt? So like, it's a little bit like a long yeah. release at times, but like when he gets out, man, it's kind of a snap and quick delivery, right? So the process might be a little slow to the actual release point, but the kid snaps the football off his hand and he gets out with pace. Well, and anytime that you're throwing the football down the field, right? Anything that's more than 25 or 30 yards, it's going to take longer for you to throw it because you have to build up more pressure, right? More tension to actually deliver a pass with that amount of power and pace and velocity, right? And with him, I think he really actually understands how to leverage a throw down the field. Right. Whereas I say Nico like has a huge upside when he really learns how to leverage it. You got to think about it just like the great celebration, right? For a touchdown throw. Everyone does the bow and arrow, right? Mm-hmm. And I teach my QBs this all the time. You know, the archer back in the day in medieval warfare, you know, he didn't do this and stay level and shoot it across the battlefield. No, he tilted his shoulders up and stayed level. And then he launched that thing across the battlefield. And I think this is something that that Nelson really understands. He understands how to leverage and get his body in position to drive the football up and down the field. And that's why you see so many great bomb throws on his highlight. And another another good thrower on the run too, man. Like he can break yeah. the pocket and he can really throw on the run. And it's it's a thing that there's there's kind of a natural feel to it, right? Like there's definitely obviously you know you you improve on the fact of you know keeping your base and keeping everything, get that hip torque and all that stuff working outside of pressure. But like there's just a natural feel to Malachi Nelson as a thrower. Like he just seems like he was born to throw a football, which is right. not a, a typical thing. But he's he's just got that natural feel to him that I think is is hard to teach sometimes for a lot of guys. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely the one that I would say that, you know, probably, you know, if he were to let let me say if like if he were to work with me, for example, there would be just very few things that I would fine tune about him. Right. There wouldn't be like, oh, let's go back to ground zero of the drawing board and start all over again. There would just be like, hey, just change this and this. And I'm telling you, you're going to throw it better and harder than you ever have in your life. You know, but the cool thing is, is that it fits in offense again. Right. He's going to a really good matchup again with his school. This being in California, even more exciting for him. He's in his home turf in his home territory. But I think the offense fits him extremely well. I think he's going to go there. He's going to learn from a really good quarterback and a coach that really understands how to get the most out of their quarterbacks. And, you know, one of the things, too, that like I think is you know, really prevalent for all the young quarterbacks that are watching this, right? And just, you know, trying to be the next four guys on this list. All four of these guys throw it well on the run. And if you want to be a high-level recruit one day, right, you need to throw it well on the run as well. It it has to be. It's one of those things where, you know, it's just, it's part of the game now. If you can't throw it well on the run, you're putting yourself at an extreme disadvantage Uh, because listen, coaches aren't always going to get you in a great opportunity to succeed. They're just not, you know, they're, they're humans too. They're going to make mistakes, but if you can bail your team out 
by being active in the pocket, getting out of the pocket, and still being a dangerous threat down the field to complete the football, you know, that is something that to me is just, you know, it's it's going to jump off the screen to a lot of Hey, look at this. This is a bad play by this high school coach. Look at this guy get out of the pocket. 40-yard touchdown on the run. You know, you just – those are the things, as the cliche is, you just can't coach those. And at the next level, this is where everybody makes the mistake. You know, college coaches and pro coaches, they don't have the time to sit mm-hmm. there and teach you how to throw it better. Right. So they kind of need the finished product and then just being able to fine-tune you and to say, this is how we want you to run the offense. This is how we want you to run our scramble drill. And if you could do it better than the other guys, you're going to play. And it's just that simple. So I think that's a really good note to wrap us up on. We've done our fantastic deep dive on the four big quarterbacks in this class. We've got our next position breakdown. We're going to talk about four talented running backs on our next episode. Folks, for me, Matthew Sims, Ryan Roberts, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back with more high school recruit analysis.